the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Abraham Lincoln warned that the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Would you like to know what's being taught in today's classrooms? Welcome to Say What? with attorney Mark Schneider and Pastor George Rosca Jr. They'll explore the issues facing children, parents, and society as a result of the public schools and the forces behind them. Say What? is the radio program of Protect Our Kids, which seeks to inform and equip concerned citizens about the looming crisis in American education. So listen in as your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Rosca Jr., unpack the issues and organizations affecting our children. And now here's your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Rosca Jr. Hello, everyone. I'm George Rosca. And I'm Mark Schneider. And we want to welcome you to today's episode 137 of Say What, where we talk about the threats to our children in the public school system, including the link between critical theory indoctrination and anti-Semitism. That's right, George. You know, it's been said that anti-Semitism acts as a societal canary in the proverbial coal mine, that as a predictor, the level of its adoption is directly proportional to that society's demise. And George, if that's true, then America is headed toward a moral precipice. And while this topic may seem not particularly related to the things we normally talk about on this program related to the public school system, um, a line definitely can be drawn with what's taught in the public system, what's known as critical theory. And we're going to draw that line today. And and, and uh, probably a step further, which we'll get into, is craziness of some of the statements that are being made by teachers union leaders around the country. That's right. Hopefully we can cover some of that. But I, George, maybe the best place to start is to provide a definition of what anti-Semitism is. And groups and organizations have given a lot of thought to this, as you might imagine. In fact, in 2016, the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, uh, uh, IRA, which includes the United States as a signatory, formally adopted a working definition of anti-Semitism. In fact, the IRA definition initially published uh, was published by the European Union in 2005 and has been used by the United States State Department since 2010 and is sometimes referred to as the State Department's working definition of anti-Semitism. Um, I'm going to read it to you. It's kind of long, but but here it is. Anti-Semitism is a certain perception of Jews, which may be expressed as hatred toward Jews. Rhetorical and physical manifestations of anti-Semitism are directed toward Jewish or non-Jewish individuals and or their property, toward Jewish community institutions and religious facilities. So there's a lot packed in there. Yeah. Uh, it cannot be, anti-Semitism just doesn't show up in words. It can show up in actions as well, uh, as we've seen. Now, I just looked up a simpler definition for what, what people can remember easily, and this is right off of Google, and here it is. What is anti-Semitism? It's hostility to 
prejudice towards or discrimination against Jews. This sentiment is a form of racism. In fact, what's weird, George, is that uh, the tag racism, to be called a racist, is about the worst tag that you could ever get in life these days. I mean, if anything is politically correct, it's to be called a racist. But for some reason, and I think there are deep spiritual connections to this, it's okay to be anti-Semitic. In fact, it's being it's becoming more and more popular. I mean, talk about underlying hypocrisy, but it's being played out in our society writ large. Yeah, and we and unfortunately we're starting to see that in the headlines that we're seeing in the news. We are indeed. I mean, here's a, we can take turns reading these. Here, here's the first one. Uh, this is from the Washington Post. These are all recent headlines. Survey finds classical fascist anti-Semitic views are widespread in the U.S. Yeah. And here's one from the Anti-Defamation League. Widespread belief in anti-Jewish tropes at rates unseen for decades. Yeah. Tropes are stories, yeah. right? That are, that are put out. They're, they're false. You know, they're, they're geared to get a reaction from the audience. And we're seeing these like we haven't seen before in decades. Here's another one from The Spectator. Why are so many young people anti-Semitic? And the article goes on to cite the fact that um, anti-Semitism is showing up much more in the younger generation than it is the older generation. George, I can remember uh, the statement that I was growing up. Never trust anyone over 30. Now you can flip that on its head and say, never trust anybody under 30 because more and more that demographic is showing itself to have anti-Semitic views. Yeah. Here's one from CNN. High level of prejudice among younger people towards Jews um, saying that young Americans say they are seeing a new face of anti-Semitism among their progressive college classmates who are bullying and shunning them purely for their Jewish faith. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's it's frightening, actually. Um, this is from Brandeis University. More than one quarter of undergraduate respondents describe hostility toward Israel on campus by their peers as a fairly or very big problem. And nearly 15% perceive this same level of hostility toward Jews. Wow. Yeah. And this is one of the top universities yeah. in our nation. I mean, Brandeis is so well known. Famous university. Is it like for law or just in uh, general? Just in general. In general. Uh, about one third of college undergraduate respondents report having been verbally harassed during the past year simply because they were Jewish. And we can give some anecdotes that further prove this out. These are just headlines, but stuff is happening all across the country. Um, Student-led protests, I mean, we're hearing about them almost on a daily basis uh, on elite college campuses from UCLA on the uh, uh, West Coast to Harvard on the East Coast, calling for the destruction of Israel. Um from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free is one of the repeated slogans that you hear by uh, groups of, well, we used to call them radicals, but they're not so radical any much because there's so many of them, which basically means uh, the, the river that they're talking about is the Jordan River and the sea is the Mediterranean Sea. So what they're saying is we want to wipe Israel off the map. 
they get no homeland. Or intifada, intifada, intifada is another slogan. Jewish Harvard students are now afraid by their own testimony to cross the campus openly for fear of recrimination. Those Harvard students who are known as being Jewish. It's frightening. Yeah, yeah and, and and I'm I'm maybe cautiously optimistic that some of this will get corrected, Mark. I know that for the Harvard student-led protests, uh, there are a lot of big-time donors who have retracted their their donations now, and they're not going to be partnering with with Harvard Law School. But this is absolutely crazy. How do we go from you know generation after generation of the brightest minds coming out of these schools, right, to now these kind of chants um, that you know on the surface they get to chant them. And people don't realize what exactly that means. You're, you're calling to wipe Israel off the map. Yeah. Um, but it, it comes back to that mindset of critical theory and oppressor versus oppressed. Which we're going to talk about. But, yeah. Georgie, you mentioned the fact that um, some big donors for, who are alumni of some of these universities are starting to sound the alarm with their pocketbooks. Uh, one of those uh, men is Bill Ackman who's a Harvard alum. And in fact, he's famous for running uh, Pershing Square uh, Asset Management, which is a big hedge fund. I mean, um, Bill is a multi, multi multi-billionaire. And he wrote a letter on November 4th to the uh, the leader of of Harvard, which is uh, Claudine Gay. And in his letter, he wrote, history has taught us that when the sparks and initial flame of anti-Semitism emerge, we must promptly put the flames, put promptly put the flames out before a conflagration begins. And history shows that that's the case. Yeah. Uh, where the seeds of anti-Semitism start to sprout and grow, always George, and unless it's stamped out, bad things happen. Yeah, and kind of looking back, right at you know, th- there were student protests in the past. Yep. Um, you know, and, and there were, you know, campus anti-Semitic protests, you know, going back to the, the Six Day War, you know, in, in Israel. Um, but they were very small and they were run by groups widely recognized as fringe. Um, the Students for Democratic Society was one of one of those. Uh, but today these groups are mainstream and they're driving the narrative. And that's so scary. That's what's frightening. I mean, uh, you're right. I mean, there were protests before uh, during the Six Day War. That was in 1967 when Israel was attacked and they had to defend themselves. And as a result of that war, they ended up taking over um, land Mm -hmm. uh, that they they had not been occupying uh, before. And that led to mass protests. But they were small, very small in comparison. And they were run by... um, readily identifiable radical organizations like the SDS. Well, um, these radical groups learned from that experience. In fact, in 1993, the FBI wiretapped Hamas. Wow. Who happened to be meeting as a group in Philadelphia. And they were meeting specifically to sabotage what were then the Oslo Peace Accord discussions. So these were... Um, negotiations that were going on between Israel, uh, the Palestinians, and the European powers to carve out 
um, uh, a state for, for Palestine. And uh, in, in, in an article that was written in the Wall Street Journal, how Hamas won the hearts and minds of the American left, um, some of the statements that were captured by the FBI um, are made known here. And here, here's one of them. Here's what they said. Let's not hoist a large Islamic flag and let's not be barbaric talking, even though they are. We will remain a front so that if the terror designation happens, we will benefit. I swear by Allah that war is deception, deceive, camouflage. Pretend you're leaving when you're walking that way. And boy, has that ever been the case. Uh, the terror label was um, associated with Hamas. They are known still to yep. this day as a terror organization and for very good reason. In fact, um, a, a, couple, a few years before that, George, in 1989, uh, Musa Abu Marzak, who is a Hamas operative t- to this day, formed an organization called the United Association for Studies and Research. Say uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, whose publications even today are featured prominently in some of our most prestigious universities, like the University of Maryland, Fordham, John, Hawk, John Hopkins, and Duke, all promoting the false narrative that um, the Palestinians have been oppressed mm-hmm. and, and abused. Um, another tactic that they outlined uh, in that FBI wiretap that w- was made plain was that they wanted to identify Israel with white privilege. Okay, this is right out of critical theory uh, ideology, right? It's their playbook. Their playbook. You're gonna you're gonna paint them as oppressors. Well, at the same time, you're for uh, active Muslims. You're gonna paint this as a religious war. So you're going to fan the flame of religious war. But for non-Muslims, they recognize that would not work. So they're going to paint Israel as European colonists, <laughs> right, who have power. Therefore, they're oppressors. And, George, this is right out of the critical theory playbook, as you know. Wow. Um, you know, Wall Street Journal here reported uh, for uh, at Yale University, um, Quoting Gaza under siege, where, as reported by students, um, they're writing for the Wall Street Journal. Here's a quote. Speakers referred to the atrocities of October 7th in the sanitized language of civilians killed, not beheaded, raped or kidnapped. Speakers called the terrorist group militant and one observed that violent resistance often emerged in colonized spaces. There it is again. Nobody mentioned the Hamas charter's call to fight Jews and kill them, uh, one panelist remarked. The most important part of our conversation here today is that Israel is still occupying Gaza, end quote. When actually Gaza, Israel withdrew from <laughs> Gaza in 2005. I, this is absolute insanity. Um, another speaker declared, no matter what the solution is, the Israel state cannot remain the state of the Jewish people. What? How can you even say that? Uh, the event had broad institutional support from Yale. Gaza under siege, quote unquote, was co-sponsored by the American Studies, Anthropology and Religious Studies, was co-sponsored by the, yeah, was co-sponsored by the American Studies, Anthropology and Religious Studies departments, the programs in ethnicity, race, and migration and, and women, 
gender and sexuality studies. It's all connected. It's all connected. The Center for Middle East Studies, the Black Feminist Collective, and more. But hypocritically, previously, the heads of Yale's colleges had been instructed not to advertise a post-October 7th Shabbat dinner invitation. That would be too controversial, an administrator told Ms. Tartek, a sophomore at Yale. Yeah, who was one of the co-writers of, the, of this article. I mean, just blatant hypocrisy. Well, I guess we should ask the question, George, why has anti-Semitism spiked so recently? And I think it's a rhetorical question because Israel is required to defend itself by invading and occupying portions of Gaza and civilians um, as a result of in all wars are often unintentionally killed. And this has led to a firestorm of, uh, uh, of terrible things. But let's remember what led to this. And it's, it's hard to almost talk about this, George, but on, on October the 7th, Hamas led the massacre of some 400, 1,400 Jews, including women and children. They raped women. They beheaded them. Children were literally cooked alive in front of their parents, set on fire. And after all of this, 200 innocent civilians were taken hostage um, uh, to Gaza. In fact, local Gazans who had happened to be working in Israel at the time, once these radicals landed, uh, they participated in the slaughter as well. So the citizens themselves are not all that innocent. They, they became uh, uh, active participants in this slaughter. Um, and Hamas uses terror tactics. They have ton- over 300 miles of tunnel hideouts under civilian population centers. Built by UN money. Like under hospitals yeah. and civic centers. They regularly use Gazans as human shields. Uh, They're not really concerned about their own people. In fact, they prevent Gazans from escaping the corridors which Israel has provided to get them out of harm's way. Um, And George, they performed acts against humanity that even the Nazis during World War II avoided. In fact, we have a clip where Douglas Murray happens to be in Israel near the Gaza border. Um, He's being interviewed by, I think, Piers Morgan. And what he says here, um, I think our audience needs to hear. Let's uh, let's see if we can play that clip. The the thing that struck me, you know, Piers, about seeing the 7th of October footage was that um, uh, even the Nazis were actually ashamed of what they did. You know, SS battalions who spent their days shooting Jews in the back of the head and pushing them into uh, into trenches had to get very, very drunk in the evening to uh, uh, forget what they had done. Uh, The Nazi high command famously had to sort of get around the problem of soldier morale because the soldiers knew this wasn't exactly what their lives were meant to look like either. I tell you one very big difference. If you look at the footage, the raw footage, and I really hope people don't on a wider scale have to view what I viewed the other day. Um, If they see it, they will see something that is at least as barbaric as what the Nazis did. But here's the difference. They did it with glee. They were deeply proud. You see people um, 
trying to, you know, taking the head off a young Israeli man with a shovel and then uh, calling their parents back in Gaza and telling them, father, father, I've killed two Jews, with my, t- ten Jews with my own hands. Get mother on the phone. I want to show, tell her how great a job her son has done. You know, I, I come back to this thing. I'm not exaggerating this. It's very, very interesting and people need to realize you had this situation with uh, with the Nazis where they also were a genocidal anti-Semitic organization, but they tried to cover their crimes up. Hamas are actually proud of them, mm. and they've said they will do them until the whole world is clear f- clear of Jews. Yeah. Wow. They did it with glee. With They did it with glee. And, George, what has been the progressive response to this in the media? Well, predictably, they've called um, for a ceasefire which is a very deceptive term when you mm-hmm. think about it, particularly as applied in this situation, because what it really means is for Israel to leave Hamas alone while it regroups and rearms and retains its power over that region so that they can attack Israel once again. And the Palestinians have actually had so many opportunities to create an independent state. And they've repeatedly rejected all of these offers very quickly. In 1937, the Peel Commission proposed the partition of Palestine and the creation of an Arab state. In 1939, a British white paper proposed the creation of a unitary Arab state. In 1947, the UN would have created an even larger Arab state as part of its partition plan. Um, the 1979 Egypt-Israel peace negotiations offered the Palestinians autonomy, which would have almost certainly led to full independence. The Oslo agreements, which we mentioned before in the 1990s, laid out a path for Palestinian independence, but the process was derailed by terrorism. Then in 2000, Prime Minister Ahud Barak offered to create a Palestinian state in all of Gaza in 97% of the West Bank. In 2008, Prime Minister Ahud Olmert offered to withdraw from almost the entire West Bank and partition Jerusalem on a demographic basis. Between 1948 and 1967, Israel did not control the West Bank. The Palestinians could have demanded an independent state from the Jordanians. But on the contrary, whilst Jordan was in control... Yasser Arafat said there was no longer a claim as it was no longer part of Palestine. But once it was back in Israeli hands, it miraculously became disputed land again. And this is just one of the many reasons Jews and Israelis are justifiably cynical about Palestinian uh, statehood. They have spurred every single one of these opportunities. They've not um, agreed to any of them. But does that matter in the media? Nope. Uh, According to even some of our own elected representatives, Israel is committing genocide. Representative Rashida Tlaib, a Democrat from Michigan, said that Joe Biden supported the genocide of the Palestinian people. This is a particularly malignant charge given the history of the Holocaust. And she's comparing what's happening in Gaza today with Israel simply trying to defend itself and protect uh, innocent civilians with what happened to the Jews during World War II. But progressive excuse Hamas actions because they have a right to, quote, decolonize Gaza. Again, a critical theory term. 
And George, as we know, there's a link between anti-Semitism and critical theory, isn't there? We we do, Mark, and we're running out of time here. Uh, but I, th- I think our viewers are are intelligent enough now to draw all those connections. All the words that we just use the, are the buzzwords of the critical theory playbook. Um, and that's how everything is justified. That's how these students uh, feel like they are, you know, being self-righteous um, in those demonstrations, those protests on uh, university campuses. And, you know, parents, everything that's happening in higher education today, these are the students that will become the teachers of our K through 12 uh, people, uh, kids. But also, more than that, these are the lawyers. These are the judges. These are the future House of Representatives, senators that'll be in positions of power in our society. And if this is the worldview that they bring to bear, the result for America will be disastrous. Critical theory teaches that justice depends on resolving power disparities, whether political, ethnic, financial, racial, or sexual It doesn't matter how the power disparity occurred or why, just that it exists. And George, this ideology is being taught in K through 12 public education in America today. Parents, it's time to wake up. We encourage you parents to go to our website at protectourkidsnow.org and get informed, share all of our videos. Uh, We have a lot of toolkits for parents, for teachers, for pastors. Uh, Please Uh, Start informing yourself and equipping yourself on what you can do to fight back against this, as Elon Musk puts it, a mind virus. Uh, We need to wake up and do our part. So we'll talk to you next time on Say What? You've been listening to Say What? The radio ministry of Protect Our Kids, where they seek to inform and equip concerned citizens about the crisis in American public education and the forces working against our children. Join us at this same time every Saturday as attorney Mark Schneider and Pastor George Roska Jr. unpack the issues so that we can better safeguard our nation's children. For more information about this program or Protect Our Kids, email the show at info at protectourkidsnow.org. That's info at protectourkidsnow.org. And join Mark and George right here next week at this same time for another episode of Say What? Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.